Michigan Liberation is a statewide network of people and organizations organizing to end the criminalization of black families and communities of color in Michigan. We envision a state without mass incarceration, mass policing, and punishment. We envision a state with the best public education in the nation, single-payer health care, and thriving black and brown communities. Here on the Respect the Rules podcast, we will lift up the stories and experiences of those impacted by mass incarceration, collective ties to the criminal legal system, and the frontline efforts to end mass incarceration. Now, Ashley, you bring up a good point. You know, here in Michigan Liberation, we have something. We are, you know, taking power back. And I want to kind of get into that next and everything, you know, and talk about um, care, not criminalization. And if you can, just tell us about care, not criminalization and what all, you know, is going on with this campaign. Yeah. So care, not criminalization, um, it first kind of came about when the org came about and we did, you know, we did door knocking and was talking to community about, you know, what their issues are. And one thing that came up was, you know, mental health. And as you know, we stated 25% of people incarcerated live with mental health considerations. And so that over the years and times just gradually expanded. And, you know, we've had many one-to-ones and listening sessions with folks and people are saying, you know, you can't get well in the cell. Like, People want to be cared for. People want an opportunity to heal. So Care Not Criminalization is a campaign that's working towards ending the criminalization of mental health and substance use. Um, As previously mentioned, you know, a lot of folks are incarcerated for these things. You know, uh, resources are limited and not really accessible. And I would say a lot of the places that do have resources tend to be in some of the wider counties. So, um, and as Ray mentioned, 33% of people incarcerated come from Wayne County, which is one of the blackest counties. Uh, So, you know, that says a lot. And we we also like to look at the Care Not Criminalization campaign as almost like a blueprint of what the world could be or even should be in a world with no police in a world with no incarceration. Like, yes, accountability is important. And so is healing from trauma. If you tackle the root causes, which is this campaign, if you tackle the root causes of of all these trauma and, and crimes, you know, then there will be less. And one thing that we learned while doing these listening sessions and having these one-to-ones and speaking with community is that mental health and substance use is intersected with so many different areas in our it's intersected with the education system it's intersected with the criminal justice system it's intersected with the healthcare system it's intersected in our communities like it's everywhere i don't know one person who doesn't know someone who's not living with a mental health consideration or someone who uses substances right right and everybody if you can see at the bottom of your screen i went ahead and put ashley's email address if we want to hear your story you got a story to tell we want to listen so ashley i went ahead and put your email address in there so they can reach out to you because i know people got some stories like you said we all have somebody in our family our rolodex i don't know i'm going old school on y'all but just that we know is mentally ill let's be real 
and or somebody that's been impacted by it. You know what I mean? And they want to get involved. Join Care Not Criminalization. Reach out to Ashley. There is no excuse not to get involved, y'all. And actually, you know, like, and part of the reason why this campaign, like, is very near and dear to my heart is because I have a sibling who was diagnosed with being manic depressive and, and bipolar. And, you know, it wasn't until he was older in life, but during his younger years in life, you know, and he was having crisis and we, we just, we didn't know, we didn't have the knowledge at the time. And we weren't, you know, the police did get involved and he went to juvie a couple of times. And he was also someone, you know, who has been failed by the system, you know, and like one thing that Karen Not Krim wants to do is also to end the stigma because it was heartbreaking, you know, to hear my brother tell me, you know, after his diagnosis, he's like, I don't know if I want to see someone because I don't want people to look at me as if I'm crazy. And my brother has a huge heart and he's so loving and he's so kind. You know, his brain is just literally wired different. You know, he's neurodivergent and that's okay. A lot of people are, but we need more resources. We need more education. And it's like, so like a big part of why I did is because I want to end that stigma. I don't want my brother to think that people are going to look at him like he's crazy. He doesn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. Like everyone deserves respect and dignity. And that's all people really want and need to help heal them, to help make them whole. That's part of the reason why care not criminalization is so important to me. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Ashley, and being so real and transparent. Yeah, I wanted to just hop in uh, for a moment and just talk about the stigma, which I feel like is important, especially in black and brown communities. You know, you often hear like, oh, you ain't crazy. You know, my family, it was like eat a banana and pray, drink some water and lay down. You know what I mean? Like therapy, right? Uh, behavioral specialist, medicine, like that was for like really, really crazy stuff, uh, really, really crazy people, right? And I think that the fact that um, mental health considerations are real, especially now, you know, 40 year record inflation, right? A, a, a multiple year pandemic, monkeypox, war on the continent, like people are literally stressed the fuck out, excuse my French. And we tend to, especially in black and brown communities, keep that on the inside, right? Keep that private. I don't want nobody knowing my business, right? Don't go spreading your business. But that's an incredibly disempowering situation for all of us to be in. And it results in care uh, that that is body bags, brutality, and bullets, right? Because we need to move from thinking of this as a personal, private matter to a public matter that deserves a public solution. Like we... If all of us are black on this call, we are all talking about mental health because we want to break the stigma. Shit is going on. Being black in America is fucking hard and it's scary and we need help. And we know we don't have the advantage on that. We take our power back by sharing these stories and saying, me too, right? Yeah. Me too. There's enough of us to, to actually transform this system and get care that is better than the police. Right, right. That's what's up. Wow. If everybody noticed, I flashed on the screen uh, a long, um, it's a long thing, but what we'll do is we'll put it on social media. You'll be able to click on it. You don't have to worry about trying to figure all this out, but just want to let you know. And Ashley, can you tell everybody if once they click on here, what we're looking for them to do? 
and everything. Yeah. So we, it's a call to action. You know, it's time. It's time to invest in in means and measures that truly result in care and truly results in community healing, and you know, less death and less incarceration, especially when someone's living with a mental health consideration or using substances. And so. Friday, October 21st at 5.30, we're going to have a rally and it's going to be, you know, community being heard, like what, what they want to see is, and then, you know, it'll be a small march, but we're going to make demands. We're going to make demands that the police, you know, invest some of their money into a program similar to Kahoot. We're going to, you know, make demands in regards to having more resources readily available and, and ending the stigma. And so, you know, if you want to join us, if you have a story to say, if you have been impacted by any of these things, you know, please register on that link. We'll be sending out the location um, roughly 24 to 48 hours in advance of the date. And again, that date is October 21st uh, at 5.30 p.m. All right. Everybody, I'm just showing some of the love that we're getting out there. Mr. Was Mr. Fox. Hello, y'all. We love y'all. We love to hear that engagement and everything. And girl, bye just gave us a heart and everything. And I want to make sure I show that love, everything. Because we said this is an interaction with all of you. You want to make sure we get up uh, love to everybody that's tuning in or has tuned in tonight. And please put your comments in the comments section and everything. Um, you know what that heart reminds me of, Miss Marjan and, and everyone else? So it reminded me of like, a lot of the Care Not Criminalization campaign is rooted in harm reduction. And harm reduction really is something as simple as love. That's what harm reduction is, love and acceptance, yeah. accepting people for who they are and their differences. You know, because when you're steady nagging at somebody or putting someone down or perpetuating stigma, you know, that's just adding shame to this person. They're less likely to go, you know, reach out to anyone or have trust, you know, in any system. And like harm reduction is love. And, you know, if we all just love and care for each other, our neighbors, ourselves, you know, the world will be such a, an amazing place. Like, yeah. It's time for healing. Yeah, I just wanted to slide in too with one more call to action and just a note. Um, some of y'all may not know, but October is Mental Health and Substance Use Awareness Month. Um, you know, it is devastating that we had to, you know, welcome um, this month in with the shooting of a 20-year-old mentally um, ill man who had just sought help two days before um, with such a tragedy. But I do want to let people know that we, the people, we have the final say on any changes that we ultimately make to the way that police do their jobs, to the way that we respond to these type of uh, crisis. And we know um, that disadvantaged communities are going to be challenged at every level, which means I got to be the one to say it like you need to vote on, on November 8th to judge the judges um, who are competing to represent us. All of this will be called to question in the Supreme Court 
so you know officers um saying whether or not they were scared right and so they shot first and asked questions later us saying that we want you know non-crisis response lines or whatever it might be like that is going to end up at the highest court in our state and we need to make good and well sure that we know exactly who is there that they are people who are fair that they are people who know who we are and that are going to represent us. So again, if you don't do nothing else, if you don't take nothing else away from this conversation, please vote on November 8th for Supreme Court. Please judge the judges. Please put some future protection for all of us and the children that we've yet to bear, um, that they will have a safe future with people who actually understand where we're coming from and who want to change this madness. Wow. Thanks for that, Ray. Any other final words i mean we can stay on after we sign off that probably the encore but um any final words for our listeners our followers you know as we continue this strong i mean tedious i mean but much needed movement or journey uh, yeah so just thinking as ray was talking imagine if on the ballot um we had instead of prop one two and three we had also prop four uh, on our mental health response crisis teams for every community as a requirement for all cities uh, in Michigan, then we would not be seeing, I would hope we would not be seeing what's happened, what had happened to Porter Burks, the man that was killed um, happening today and, and going forward. We can't have another one. Um, it, it's, it just has to stop. It's causing further trauma of uh, black communities, brown communities. It is not helping us. And this is not what we deserve. You really think about it. Think about it. Is this what we deserve? What keeps happening? Is this all we deserve? We deserve a lot more. Um, It's time for healing. It's time for, instead of saying, um, punishment is saying who did it and how do we punish them? It's time for healing. Because that's saying, um, how are you hurting and how can I heal you? That's the care we need. We don't need criminalization. We don't need criminalization. Uh, that's just the part of it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had to slide in because I just I just feel like people going to be feeling like they let off the hook after this conversation. I, I want to name specific actors who can help us, the community, on the path to healing. Um, Detroit Police Commission, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. A lot of people don't know who you are, but we are watching you. We have been watching your inaction um, in cases of repeated brutality from the police department that you are charged with holding accountable. We're looking at you and we expect more than a thoughts and prayers response from you and soon. Uh, Detroit Police Chief White, we're looking at you. We're looking at you. You know, it was very interesting to hear that you were a licensed social worker. It was very interesting to hear that you wanted to change the culture of Detroit Police Department. Clearly, there's been a steep learning curve, but we're looking at you for accountability, not just for the officers, not just through paid leave, but what are you doing for the force? What are you doing to protect families? What are you doing to actually provide public safety? You talked about ShotSpotter last week, talking about it's an investigative lead. What are you doing to prevent the shot in the first place? That is what community is begging to hear from you. City Council, we're looking at you. We are looking at you. Many of you, we have been down in the mud, knocking doors, 
talking to you, speaking with your constituents well after you won your seat and left. We are looking at you and how you are so quick to rip off 50 million, $8 million for Detroit Police Department. If a doctor had the same type of success rate as the Detroit Police Department and had the nerve to ask for a raise after that, that person would not have their license. If a lawyer was charged with this much malpractice, a judge with this much malpractice and asked for a raise, they would be disbarred. We have watched you consider $8 million additional dollars from COVID relief funds. People have been begging you for housing, for mental health care, for, for, for essential services that you want to call extra wraparound services. We watched you consider $8 extra million for an expensive microphone that is not providing public safety. That only happens after the, 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 the fact of the matter. We are looking at you. You have made the decision to not use ARPA funds for this stupid microphone. We're looking at what you're going to do after that. We heard just yesterday that only 4% of the ARPA funds have been allotted or earmarked for anything. We're looking at you to see what you're going to do with that. And we want to make sure that you're talking to us. Saying that you've been talking to community activists when you haven't talked to Michigan Liberation, when you haven't talked to Detroit Action, when you haven't talked to We the People, uh, Detroit Will Breathe, Mothering Justice, Michigan United, Moses, ACLU, Detroit Justice Center, I could keep going on. If you have not talked to any of the 30 plus organizations who have said, talk to us, we want to talk to you because we have a plan about public safety, you are dead wrong. We are tracking every move because we desperately want to fill space. So I'm going to just say it again. Detroit Police Commission, hold these officers accountable. I know you have to work with the union, but you, we don't need to see these people on the force. Police Chief White, we're looking at you. Change that culture and quit asking for money when you have an $18 million surplus. Figure out what you need to do with that. We're not giving you any more money. City Council, we are looking for a real plan on public safety. We are looking for a real plan on mental health. We are looking for a real plan on the future of our youth. Not buddy-buddy uh, relationships where you kiki with the uh, chief of police and their data department. That's all I have to say. You guys are not on the hook. You've been put on notice. Community is watching. We want to feel safe. We have elected you leaning into that trust and we'll see what will happen. To everybody else who's watching, I hope that you uh, come out on the 21st. I hope that you have a story you wanna reach out to Ashley with, cause I know it's not just us. If you have a, a, a plan on how we can become safer that does not involve a bullet, brutality, or a body bag, please reach out to Michigan Liberation. We'd love to see you and to our council members, to the, uh, the uh, police chief and to the police commission. Our inboxes are open, both on email and phone to set up that meeting. And I'll pass it back to you, Marjan. Wow, wow. I was putting up one of the comments um, that we received from, um, if you can see it, from Mr. Fox. This has been immensely educational and informing. Women are phenomenal and so intelligent and informed. Shout out to Mr. Fox. Thank you so much. You know, this work, it is tiring, but Ray hit it on the nail. Man, it's like, please pass the collection plate because you said a mouthful, Ray. You know what I mean? We've got about probably about 10 more minutes and everything. And I would like to take this time. I mean, 
Ray, you laid out really great. I mean, just really amazing, like um, the call to action. You actually called some people out. Ash, you did a phenomenal job talking about care, not criminalization. And Allie, you did a great job talking about the mental health profession side of things. So, I mean, you've already, I, I just would like to go ahead and spend the last couple of minutes talking about this call to action, what you're getting ready, what Michigan Liberation is getting ready to do. Because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to jump on board. Can we revisit that, y'all, what we're looking to do in a couple of weeks or so? Yeah, so again, we're not going to disclose the, the location until 24 to 48 hours ahead of time. And we're, what we want is to, one, have these community conversations. We need to, we need to again, stop sweeping things under the rug. And collectively, we're stronger together. So if we want to see these changes, if we want to see police stop stop killing people um, in, in cold murder, if we, if we want to see less incarceration, if we want to have you know healthy and healing schools and just healthy and healing communities, you know, we all need to come together. And when we come together, you know, we're gonna uplift the voices of those who aren't heard, are those who are, you know, um, just disenfranchised. And we'll we'll be having some speakers, and we will be, you know, one one way that tends to to get folks' attention is when you hit them where it hurts. It's when you stop what they feel is urgent because what we have, what we're talking about, it's very urgent. There's so much urgency behind this. So if you stop the everyday routine and show the urgency and come out in numbers, you know, it's gonna it's gonna make people look. It's gonna make people look and what are they doing? What are they talking about? Oh wow, this this is really important. Um right. yeah, you know, we're gonna collectively demand demand better from those agents of punishment that that Ray named. You know, we are their constituents. They work for us and they're not listening to us. They're not respecting us and they're not dignifying us. And it's right. time for that to change. And in order for that to change, we need to hold them accountable. And this is just one, one of the many ways we intend on holding folks accountable. Right. Amen, sister. I, I just, you know, like I said, we, we got like about five minutes or so, and I've already asked you for some nuggets and all that, but just really let's go hard in the pain for the next couple of minutes or so. Are y'all not upset to the point where it's almost like we become immune to this, y'all? And I just felt like tonight, even though it was last minute, but we had to get on this call and do this. And for those of you who are looking, watching, listening, we got we got to stop this. This is it's gonna you know it's almost like COVID. It's almost like oh it's over there. It's not my problem. But once it hits home, then all of a sudden we want to have some action. You know what I'm saying, y'all? Yeah. If I could just slide in, so this young man Porter. Slide in, Ray. Slide in. I'm, I'm sliding. In. I got I got to slide in. Um, because. This, this young man, um, Porter, who uh, was shot, he was actually um, the nephew of a person who um, marched damn near 100 days in the streets against police brutality. 
right? You wow. think that it's never going to happen to you until it actually does. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that has inspired me to go into this work was realizing that being called a criminal, it wasn't a matter of like if, it was a matter of when, right? Because of like the body and place and time that, I am, that I'm in, it is so... Um, incredibly easy to be criminalized. I think I'm, I'm fucking enraged. It's it's sort of like that that calm, cool, just like all right, I, I'm gonna have to move because repeatedly, you know, the actors that I named, I'll just name policing in general. Like nobody is coming to save us. I my heart has been broken over the last two weeks showing up for Shot Spotter. Um, I keep bringing it up because the police keep asking for more money for a shitty job. But I watched our elders, you know, make time out they day to come talk about how afraid they were. All I heard was how the police was not showing up. There are so many people that are probably watching that will watch this. Those of us who are on the call who have called the police and have had to wait 20 or more minutes for them to show up if they even show up. And then for them to, to say that green light was going to protect and it didn't and then you're asking for shot spotter right which you already have and it's not working and then you shoot this this mentally ill man and you blame him right so i'm thinking about what happens to the elder that calls for help because they're afraid of, of a disturbance and now they're criminalized we literally just had a a, a person um associated with our org who was had someone shoot themselves in, in, in front of them, called the police and was detained for three hours. And you wonder why people don't call the police. We are fighting for a world where we call 911, someone picks up and we get the help that we need quick, fast and in a hurry. Um, so like, yeah, you know, numbed, you know, shocked, but not surprised, but I think I'm just sort of like resigned to the work and the power building that we have to do. I'm very clear right now that we do not have the power. We need to actually create safe communities. I'm clear that the Detroit Police Department in the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan, are they're not gonna give it to us. I didn't even get to mention, and I'll pass it, but people are drowning in mountains of data about how what they are doing is not working. 2018, 2019, Vera Institute came in and said, Wayne County, you have racial disparities. These are not hardened criminals. These are under-resourced, stressed people who are getting caught up in the system. In 2020, 2021, Michigan Liberation and um, working with uh, Detroit Justice Center under them, published Highway Robbery, a white paper where we said there are racial disparities. You are messing with people who are overworked and under-resourced. Just this year, U of M released a study saying that policing in Michigan has disparities. Y'all are tripping. Y'all are tripping. And all of a sudden, people are acting shocked like, wow, I didn't know. Judges with the, uh, the cash bail uh, settlement talking about, wow, we actually have a problem. Y'all know y'all was doing pay to stay. You know you have been uh, targeting black and brown people. You know what the jails look like. You know what the prisons look like. Like, I'm very clear that, like, we're not victims. In fact, like, we just need to be building more power. We build more power by sharing our stories, by saying that we are not alone. And I'm confident because I know we're not alone. 
You know, their jobs are done so poorly that there are literally thousands of us. We just have to find each other, make a stand. Uh, and I know if we do that, we'll get the changes that we need. Another family does not have to go through this. Absolutely. I, it, it, I remember uh, in 2021, uh, in Dearborn, a friend of mine, um, there was a situation with a, a mentally disabled man named uh, Jaquan Murphy. And, you know, he was, you know, wandering around in front of her house and everything, not wanting to call police because knowing what could happen to him as a black man, she called us. Now, a bunch of community activists a bunch, or just community members, you know, some of us just got, got involved. <laughs> you know, it's not like we have all the answers is what I'm saying, but we formed a, a community-based response because in that moment, um, four other people went and uh, with some mutual aid uh, friends, um, doctor friends they knew um, and just uh, gave him uh, like checked and see, saw if he needed food, if he um, was injured, um, trying to find out who he was, um, ended up giving him a ride. But, uh, you know, you have to work to develop that response. You like we can do it. I think it's we've been relying so much or just had just the police for so long. It can feel scary to take a step out there, but you know, it's now or never. Like we we, we just can't continue to stay on the same path. Um, you know, and it and that is something we can do. It's something we can break because um, it, it's just repetitive. Like it's it's like you know. Imagine how many more options we could have if we, imagine if we broke down the house. Policing is a house, mass incarceration is a house. And imagine how many more options we had, we'll have if we completely dismantle it. We have to do that in real life. And that starts with us. Yeah, and I, I think to, to your point, Ali, it's like a couple things came to mind for me when you were speaking. Like, we don't have all the answers. And what it takes for us to have the answers is us as a collective, collectively dreaming and imagining, uh, imagining, imagining what this world could be, visioning what this world could be, and then putting it into action. Imagination is not just for children. It's for us. And that's the beauty in children, too, because they can imagine these extravagant things, you know, and we still have that in us. Society may have hardened us. But if we collectively get together, we can collectively dream and scheme and plan and vision and build and heal. Like generational trauma, according to some studies done with, you know, rats and stuff, it takes up to six generations at a minimum to start removing some of those generational triggers and traumas. And we need to dismantle this system because systematically for over 400, 500 years, we have slavery, the Jim Crow laws, the, the war on drugs, all these different things, you know, that have been traumatizing us. We're not removed by six generations. We have a long way to go. We are every day living in trauma and triggers. And, you know, we, we need the collective to dream. And then there, just real quick too, uh, another thing that came to mind to me that I was thinking about was one of the bailouts that we did in 2020. Um, this gentleman, his bail was only $5 and he couldn't afford to pay it. 
So Michigan Liberation, we do have a, a bail program. Um, we're bail disruptors. And, but we go pay, pay his, his bail and his bonds and fees. And it comes to find out that this man is, uh, lives with mental health considerations. And they were super upset. Like they told us that if he doesn't leave after we bailed him out, if he doesn't have anywhere to go, they're going to lock him back up. That's not the answer. That is not the answer. Another one who we bailed out, they, after we bailed him out, he was being released on tether. In those three days from the bailout while he's waiting for his tether, they stopped giving him his medication, even though he was still in their care. This system, it got to go. Like, right now. Wow. Y'all, I've been blessed tonight. I've been blessed. Man, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your your knowledge, your wisdom, everyone. I'm so thankful for everybody that tuned in tonight. We're going to be doing this again. We just getting started. We like P. Diddy, won't stop, can't stop, bad boy, you know, bad girl for life. You know what I'm saying? So we just thank you for being on tonight on this journey. We all had a lot to say. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Ray. And until next time, everybody, remember to what? Respect the roots, y'all. Michigan Liberation Education Fund, C3, conducts grassroots organizing, leadership development, and civic engagement activities. Michigan Liberation C4 and Michigan Liberation Action Fund, IE, are sister organizations.